Welcome to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast dedicated to helping modern marketing teams succeed in a messaging first and privacy first world. In each episode, we'll interview a marketer who is winning with conversational marketing to distill best practices, lessons learned, and actionable takeaways. Here's your host, Benji Baer, VP of Marketing at Spectrum. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Smith, Senior Product Manager focused on conversational AI and digital assistants at Intuit. Brian is responsible for designing digital assistant experiences across a number of intuitive products. I'm personally really excited about this episode, uh, getting to nerd out a bit more on conversational AI and design than usual. And I think that you'll love to hear his insights when it comes to scaling digital assistants across global organizations like Intuit. Brian, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Ben, thanks for having me. And uh, I think it's pretty funny that you want to nerd out because I would not consider myself a nerd. (laughs) I would also consider myself. (laughs) That's true. I guess no one really considers themselves a nerd, but I like, you know, I love digging into the specifics on this. And I think sometimes there's a lot of high level talk. And I think getting into more kind of specific design challenges, you know, tactical things is, is exciting and also what our listeners love to hear about. So, you know, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, your background and the work that you're doing? Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks, Ben. So as Ben did a really great intro, my name is Brian Smith, and I'm a senior product manager at Intuit, focused on our digital assistant experiences across multiple product lines. Right now, we're currently in TurboTax and QuickBooks, but we also have products like Credit Karma, MailChimp, and Mint. And this includes our bot strategy at a product level. So how do we scale? How do we reuse and build new capabilities or features for the digital assistant experiences that really drive, you know, across a wide range of use cases? And when I talk about scale, it's really around how do we build something that can work for multiple digital assistants? So when you think of our products, right, they're very siloed today. We have TurboTax, we have QuickBooks. They're two very different products, but there's ways that they can work together. And there's also experiences that they do similarly to each other. And so how do we start to deliver content you know, in real time, build out features that can be reused at a global scale across all these different digital assistants, drive more automation, UI visualizations, and really start to set best practice in this space because a lot of that is not uh, really defined today. Yeah, I think that's something we've seen uh, a lot at Spectrum as well is that people are very hungry for best practices too, especially the ones that are just starting to get into this space. I'd love to dig in a little more into... You know, you mentioned a couple things there that I find really interesting as far as scale, one being kind of reusable components that you can have across different experiences. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like if you're allowed to talk about it at Intuit, what are some of those components or parts of experiences that you find have been most in demand? Yeah, great question. So, you know, I think an example is, you know, how do you escalate to a human? That type of experience is kind of a core capability or a core feature that could be used across, you know, multiple digital assistants. And it should all be done in the same way. And so instead of our team building that out separately for each individual bot, we're working towards a strategy of, you know, having a single place that that could potentially be leveraged from. And then these digital assistants use it from one place, right? So it's like a code once, build the feature, and then you can kind of call into it. Today, it's very siloed across multiple different bots. 
There's other examples, and I think I gave one around UI visualization. So being able to present data in a clearer way and theme that based on the product. And so it's the same type of visuals that you would see as components in like a design language system for a given brand or company, but it's specific to CUI. And so we're looking at different use cases that could be leveraged across you know, different markets, different regions, different products, so that as you interact with a digital assistant, regardless of product at Intuit, it still feels and looks like a similar type of experience. Yeah, that's very interesting that I guess having more accessible speak, just almost like a, a template that you can plug the data into. And then there's kind of like the brand colors and, and design elements that are added to that. Is that the sort of thing that you mean? Exactly. Yeah. So in the same way that you're building, you know, a web experience, right? There's various different mm-hmm. components that are pulled together through a design system. Same with like marketing, right? There's probably different components that you're pulling in to create like an email or a direct mail piece if people are still doing that in this digital age. But, you know, there's different types of brand components that you're pulling together. In these instances, though, we're putting logic behind them because they're presenting data or they're orchestrating something, right? Or you're interacting with them. So in the same way that you're filling out a form in a web view or you're filling out some type of thing in a, in a mobile app, right? In the same way that you're interacting with those visual elements, we're, we're working towards how do we get away from just text-based chatbot conversations to more of like layering in visuals that complement and augment the experience too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly the sort of thing that we've we've also been seeing in terms of, you know, we operate across a lot of different messaging channels uh, with Spectrum's platform. So I know, and I'm sure the engineers would kill me for simplifying it so much, but just even building things like integrating product carousels where you can have that functionality, but then being able to kind of push it out to the different channels, obviously, the module that we're building at Spectrum is a single module, but then it's it needs to be able to interact with different interfaces, different messaging UIs as well. I'd also love to come back to the thread control that you mentioned, or I think even previously you mentioned that you don't think of it so much as thread control, but one thing we see a lot in the marketing space is the, the kind of the same thing that you mentioned, right? There are a lot of brands and obviously a lot of customers on the other side of the conversation that do want to eventually speak to a human if for some reason the interaction they've had with the digital assistant doesn't satisfy their needs or they're a kind of long tail customer query that's very difficult to automate fully. Can you talk a little bit more about how you envision that and how you see kind of building reusable components across the different experiences that you're delivering? Yeah, so a bot is only as smart as you make it, right? And today, a lot of it is powered through data integrations that are variables that come from an API. And those variables can either be used to inform the bot experience behind the scenes. You know, if this is what's returned from the data source, then do Y, right? If X equals this, then do Y. And it's very logical still. It's just you're using data to inform the experience. I think on the other side, you can also use data to be present to the customer, right? So that's kind of where we're going with visuals. I think related to your question on kind of what we call human handover is starting to make the bot a little smarter in terms of having context of what the customer's been doing, you know, regardless of channel. Have they been searching for a long time? Have they been on a page for a long time and they're opening up the digital assistant because they are stuck, right? And how do we connect those two types of experiences to acknowledge to the customer and make it feel more seamless? And in your example, maybe it's not the bot that initially helps the customer, but rather we position an expert to help the customer initially because the use case or the thing that they're trying to solve for 
the context that's been passed in is too complex or not built out, or we feel like the DA might not be the right platform. And I just used an acronym. DA is is digital assistant internally at Intuit. (laughs) And so, you know, there might be different ways that we position an expert over a digital assistant and vice versa, right? So I think related to usability and scale across digital assistants, that same type of experience should be shared or similar across, you know, regardless of market or product. There might be some nuances in terms of like what's fixed and what's flexed within that experience. Like you can do this, but you can't do that. But that gives kind of the business units into it, you know, freedom to adjust based on their business needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that they would have, I guess, specific use cases and different, you know, I guess, customer needs within that. I I really love what you mentioned at the start of that with the idea of bringing in context, like context almost outside of the conversation that's happening. I think, you know, you hear a lot in the conversational AI space about like contextual language processing and like kind of more generic natural language processing. But what you're talking about is really context completely outside of that conversation, right? So you mentioned an example of someone searching a lot on the site or, you know, having a pattern of behavior before they even enter the conversation. And you're saying you're actually able to pull some of the data about that behavior in to enrich the conversation, uh, right, as it gets started? Exactly. Yeah. So I think I don't like to use the word chatbots, but, you know, when they were first created, I think they were sold with like, you know, you can do X, Y, Z with these, they can help with task completion, they can help reduce calls to your contact center and reduce costs. And so like a lot of metrics that we see with chatbots today are really around call mitigation, you know, how much cost savings have I seen to my contact center. And I've been pushing that, you know, it's a good metric, everything should lead to containment if you build the right experience. But I really think digital assistance should augment, you know, the digital ecosystem. So to your point, as a customer is moving around your website or moving across channels, right? From your website to the mobile app. Like when they open the chatbot on your site, there should be some context there that's passed through. It shouldn't feel like a siloed separate experience that's just there to help you based on the use cases that you've built. Like you really need to get to a point where it's like, for example, Ben's been searching for 15 minutes on how to upload his W-2, right? For his taxes. And he can't seem to figure that this out because it's his first time using TurboTax. And that so happened to me a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, you open the digital assistant and you get a response that is like, hey, I'm the TurboTax digital assistant here to help you. Here's some things that I might be able to assist you with. But imagine if that experience was more tailored to you and, and it started to personalize. And I think this is where we're going in the industry, right? Of like, hey, Ben, I saw you've been searching for some time on how to upload your W-2. I can help you do that right now. Right. And then you can just do it right there in that experience. And so imagine like passing context and creating this seamless thread, regardless of where the customer interaction is occurring. I think a lot of companies are trying to position these chatbots to be, you know, blockers to getting customers help from a live human. But if you design them and build them right and you power them in having enough knowledge and context and data sources and system integrations and anything there that powers your, your use cases, customers will self-contain because it's just a really good experience and they're getting what they need, right? Yeah, I could not agree more with a lot of the things that you've just said. I think that, you know, where we're seeing this is really that the more you can provide that kind of predictive 
an assistive experience, the more people are actually going to enjoy the digital assistant itself and be almost more satisfied than they would be with a human who might be more limited in the kind of prediction and assistance that they can actually provide. And on the context side too, I think that's something we've seen a lot. Again, maybe coming more from like a marketing use case mindset, but that idea of context being so crucial, right? Like what is the entry point that a customer is then engaging with you on this messaging channel, right? Are they coming from a paid ad? Are they coming from a search query? Are they actively reaching out to your brand about a specific question, in which case you might get kind of like a more long tail query that is maybe a bit more complex, but that has a very specific intent that you can act on and get a lot of you know, results from satisfying. I think that's really where we're seeing this space too, is like context matters a lot and you can use context to your advantage to actually make the experience much better for the customer that is interacting with the assistant. Yeah, I think you brought up some great points there. And, you know, just having context to inform that initial interaction, I think would boost, you know, an interaction rate within a digital assistant very significantly, even if it's just a small portion of customers, right? You're not going to be able to answer and support, you know, 100% of your audience every single time. And I always push our teams here into it to think of the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule, right? 80% mm-hmm. of my users should be interacting and using 20% of my content. Hopefully I said that right. Um, <laughs> but essentially we're designing for the majority of our audience. You mentioned long tail, right? Like if customers get off track and they're not going down the happy path, like how do we write our prompts and our experiences to pull them back in to that you know, 20%? of use cases. Because once you get down the rabbit hole of, well, what if the customer says this and then goes here? And what if they say that? Your web of conversation design just increases significantly. And so, you know, we always focus on what's the happy path when we're designing for a specific use case. But I think the context passing and sharing across channels and capabilities is really, is really needed. Yeah, absolutely. That's also something that we focus a lot on with, you know, our customers is what is the happy path for this use case? Things can get more complex, but let's start there because it also helps really kind of frame that whole idea of conversation design in a more kind of outcome oriented way, right? You mentioned that so much of the framing around chatbots, to use the dirty word, is a is around cost saving and kind of mitigation or like, you know, reducing contact to humans. But really, this should be thought about in a way of like, there is so much potential to unlock when you're having direct conversations with your customers. So like, how do we design conversations that actually get people to outcomes that are valuable for business and that ultimately also serve that customer, right? I mean, you mentioned a few things about conversational AI and design, like how would you summarize the kind of current state of conversational AI and design today? Yeah, I think there's two pieces to that. So when I think of conversational AI, I'm not just thinking of, you know, digital assistants. I think conversational design, conversational AI can kind of live everywhere. And I think that's what we're starting to see with several companies in the industry around like pulling together all of these different types of capabilities that have been traditionally siloed and building out and leading with conversational and not just within, you know, chat and voice interfaces, but we're starting to see that in web and mobile applications as well around, you know, how am I positioning my content to be more user focused, right? Instead of hearing or, or reading, right? Tell us your name. It's written more in a way like, what's your name, right? It's written Mm -hmm. more conversational and it's written more in the you instance. And it's often funny, like if you hear that, 
And then you go look at companies and you're like, oh, these people there are writing it, you know, tell us what you need help with. And it's very like us, we, I, and it should really be, you know, more user focused where it feels a little more friendly. And, and so I think we're starting to see that shift there. Within conversation design, that's where I start to think of like the content design, the use cases, bot persona, you know, conversational copywriting, different techniques there in alignment, you know, with the brand that's been set. My focus, you know, I've played in both spaces. I've lived in both spaces. I love the tech side more. I've, I've become more fascinated with the tech side. And, and I think both sides, though, need to understand the two aspects. I think when companies first start building out a conversational experience or a chatbot solution, it skews more towards development, right? We see more tech resources there. There's not a lot of designs. They might be building out hard-coded logic, hard-coded workflows. There's not a lot of prototyping done. And so I think really where we're seeing a big challenge in conversation design is just around the lack of understanding the, the good balance that needs to be there between a tech team and a design team. And we even have you know conversation designers that are building the actual content of what the bot says. But outside of that, we also are using our experience design team to help us provocate on prototypes and feature interactions of how the experience could work. So we're, you know, to help with features and development on some of those new capabilities that we're looking at. And so there could be different aspects of design, right? It could be UI of the actual application of like, what does the messaging bubbles look like? It could be what is the actual content say? It could be visualizations that we're building and how all of that plays in. But I do think you know, if you live on one side or the other, it's always good to shadow and share because you have to be in lockstep in order to provide a really good experience and be successful, you know, in conversational AI. Yeah, absolutely. I guess at Spectrum, I would be probably falling heavily on the design side since, you know, we're trying to build more of like a no code platform for people to be able to focus more on the design and less on the tech side. But there's always that trade off, right? There's always integrations with systems, whether it's CRM or whether it's, you know, like you mentioned, customer service tools like handover protocols, uh, there's visualizations, all of those things that it's always going to be that trade off. But I agree, there's like some really interesting things on both ends. I while the company probably skews more towards like really building that no code platform, I am also like I said, at the beginning, maybe I used the wrong term in terms of nerd out, but I just like I do love all of the technical aspects of this and how do you make that uh, more seamless? So I think it's a really interesting space to be in. And for you, like, why is conversational AI and design so important for organizations today? Yeah, I think one, it's quite an emerging discipline and field to be in. I think I shared earlier, you know, we're, we're writing the practice and the principles as we build out these experiences. And, and what's fascinating is every customer interacts with any brand that has a digital assistant, right? It's different in terms of how it's deployed, right? How it's invoked. And I think like, even if you look at just the UI across several different digital assistants, even in that aspect, it's a conversation, but the way they deploy different features of offering suggestions or buttons in the experience or different widgets that might appear, like it's all done differently. And, and I think it's because hopefully they've done, you know, rapid experimentation and you know, gotten into like the core customer problem and that a lot of those is what's meeting the needs of their customers. But I think at the same time, like we're still on this cusp of like where we were 10 years ago, you know, when the, when the iPhone was first launched and now it's like, oh, we can create all these different apps 
and we have limited real estate and how do we take what's on our website and like make a version that looks, you know, mobile friendly. And I think in the same way of how we were working towards trying to get resources, right? You look at mobile teams now and there's hundreds of mobile developers, software engineers, all of that, like working on those apps. And I think that's where we are today with conversation design and conversational AI is like, there's a lot to do here and we're just on the cusp of it. And I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in this space, you know, over the next few years. I think a lot of people say, oh, conversational AI is like Alexa, Google, the Google Assistant and Mm -hmm. and Siri, right? Those are all voice applications and some have visual elements too. But I think just in general, this digital assistance will play a larger role within the digital ecosystem for a company if they deploy it in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think also messaging, right? Just like text-based interaction, whether that's, you know, messaging on a phone or like chatting on desktop, I feel like there's obviously been enormous growth in the voice assistant industry in general, but like the huge majority of interactions are still kind of message based. And it's also more almost natural for some people, especially in the modern world, like everyone is doing five things at the same time to be able to like interact with digital assistants in a messaging format and take advantage of some of the things like the visualizations that you're talking about, you know, the different types of ways of presenting data or of like offering content to consumers is, I feel like there's almost more richness in the actual conversational AI messaging space than there is in the voice space. But again, maybe that's, I'm blinded by where I am. (laughs) Yeah, and I think like there's a lot of good use cases out there for customers when they have questions and they just want an answer right there, right? Like a digital assistant is probably the best thing that you can deploy because maybe they have to click, you know, five different times on your website to find the answer. Whereas they could just go to the digital assistant and ask the question and it presents, you know, an answer and they get it, they get it in real time 24 Mm seven, right? That's like an added benefit of this. And so I think identifying the right use cases understanding how digital assistants weave into the entire ecosystem within digital or in marketing, right? Like how does that play into it? And I think you can only, you know, scale from there as you start to understand how customers are interacting and what your customers actually want yeah. within, within your product. Definitely. And, you know, as far as you mentioned scale a few times, uh, you referenced large investments in like mobile when people were doing that, you know, does it take a certain level of organizational maturity to get into this space for you? Or like, what do you see are kind of the trends there? Or what would you suggest? Yeah, I think organizational maturity plays into understanding where a company's at, right? Like they could have existing tech stacks that are not very modernized or are very siloed, right? Depending on there, or there might be some work needed to basically gain leadership buy-in that this is something that we want to start offering. And so or there might not be, you know, technology in place if it's a startup or younger type of company, right? So I do think organizational maturity plays in, especially if it's a, an organization that's been around for some time. And then, you know, as that layers in, like, how do you start to scale a team once you've bought, you know, gained buy-in from, mm-hmm. from various leaders? And how does that team look? And you only go from there, right? We have, I was told we had the largest conversation designer team in the world. I don't know if that <laughs> statement is uh, is true, but we have we have global designers all over the world supporting all of our digital assistants in each market. So, as you build, you you scale, you identify a resource, and you go from there. And I think showing the level of impact and finding the right use case to do a proof of concept on to gain mm-hmm. buy in and show 
the bottom line impact is a no-brainer if a leader sees it. I've, I've seen it several times. Yeah, that's what we've seen as well from a marketing side, right? We always have to start with like a very kind of specific use case, proof of concept. People can be hesitant to get into this space or to start using our platform because you know they have struggled to understand that. Then when we unlock that initial use case and they see the value, it kind of like spreads through the organization and people get more excited about all the possibilities, right? You can build on top of that use case. You can start adding more value. You can even, you know, see, start to understand, okay, what is the audience that we have within this messaging system on this messaging channel that we can kind of re-engage in different ways? There's a lot of exciting things there. I want to jump back quickly just to executive buy-in because I think getting executive buy-in for this type of work at an organization is not always easy. Is that a process that you were involved in at Intuit, or can you just talk a little bit more about how you see that play out, what you see and be successful? So here, the digital assistance experiences had already been built and underway before my time, before joining. But I think what we see in the industry in terms of like, you know, it's related to the maturity of an organization. And I think that drives a company's ability to scale in these types of interactions. But if the organization's less mature, then you might focus more on gaining leadership buy-in, right? To allow for us to start to scale in this space. And larger orgs, I mentioned, you know, tech stack or tools may not be as advanced or they might not be modernized or there might be limitations in data availability and reuse of the existing capabilities to hook Mm -hmm. into your digital assistant. But I think the biggest complexity that comes once you've gained leadership buy-in is actually sharing the process of how to build out these types of interactions because it's one-to-one interactions, right, with the digital assistant, but experiences can be very non-linear and helping leaders also understand the complexity of how these experiences can come to light, whether you're integrating data or just doing if-then statements, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless, there's a lot of time and energy put into there. And I think sharing that will help drive scale in this space. Even if you're just launching a digital assistant for the first time with a you know a handful of use cases, that's still a significant amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. I guess at the end of the day, that one-to-one experience is also something that organizations really crave, right? Not just in terms of the brand affinity that it can create if it's a positive experience, but also, you know, just it really is almost like a goldmine of customer insights, right? You are speaking one-to-one with your customers. I feel like that's what every organizational really wants is to like really understand what do our customers want. And I feel like this is such an exciting channel to do that through because you are just talking directly to your customers at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And and I think related to gaining leadership buy-in, it's not just selling the concept of what conversational AI is or what a digital assistant is and how that can improve our experiences. But I think it's also sharing the value that it drives and mm-hmm. understanding like how this should be scaled, you know, within the organization, like identifying what types of roles might be needed, right? In a past life, I had put together, you know, this is the future of what conversational AI is going to be. And these are the types of roles that we have gaps in, right? Like we don't offer these types of roles today. And these are Mm -hmm. things that we're starting to see in the industry. So being able to bring that in, because I think a lot of people that play in this space are, you know, a team of one, right? They're one person that's responsible for doing the design and building out the capability and understanding the strategy of how this weaves into everything. And at that point, it's like, how do I prioritize and what takes the most priority, you know, across this one to end list of, use cases that we want to build. And so being able to sell the vision, but then understand like what types of resources are needed to support that vision, and then taking your leaders across 
you know, after you've sold the concept, how do you keep them top of mind to drive more modernization across technology and, and enhancements in this space too? Mm-hmm. And do you mind sharing, you know, what are some of the specific roles that you think are kind of at the time when you wrote it, what was missing? Yeah, I think, I mean, we see it in the industry today, right? So a lot of it was conversation designers. We're, we're starting to scale up, I want to say around 2019, 2020. And now we're starting to see more product managers, more program managers. And so it's like, now that we have this bot, like, how do we scale it, right? We have a designer that's building on these use cases, but like, how do we scale this bot? And, and I think what a product manager can come in and do is support increased capabilities and features and customer experience in the same way of what we were sharing, you know, talking about earlier around passing context and enhancing the experience. So as the designers are writing the content, maybe it's automated and and driven, you know, in different ways and, and not hard coded. And how do we get more data into the product? So it's really it's shifted from focusing a lot on the design, which we still see a lot of roles in the design space, but I've started to see a lot more come in on the product side. Yeah, definitely. This is something that I know some of the things that you've brought up in this conversation have been top of mind for uh, a lot of our product managers at Spectrum as well. I'm sure they're going to be excited to hear, hear your insights. I mean, I could go on all day. I'd love to maybe looking forward a little bit, like what excites you the most about conversational AI at this moment in time? Yeah, I said it before, you know, I think we're kind of at the start of this journey of, of where we're going. And I think the future is still a little unknown at this point of how this stuff is going to come to fruition. But what I can tell you is that people in this space that work on chat and voice interfaces really just want to offer a positive customer experience. And I think the way we do that is really through connecting these and augmenting chatbots to existing experiences. And and I think we're not trying to make the bot feel like a human, right? We're rather wanting to put human-like qualities and make the conversation feel more natural and appealing and easy to follow and, and allow the customer to know their place in the conversation. In the same way that we're having a back and forth conversation right now, we're holding context. We understand what each other has asked each other. And so I think just you know having the conversation feel more interactive, that drives trust with your customers. And even then, like right, I think where we're going to is like interchangeability in terms of experiences, right? Today, there's this traditional position, the digital assistant, and then go into a human as a fallback if the digital assistant can't support. And I, I think where I see this going and my thoughts in this space is like bots talking to other bots, right? Like bringing in micro smart bots that are specific on a given product, right? In the marketing space, you could have a bot for a given product. And to the customer, they're talking to one bot, right? One experience, one UI. But behind the scenes, it's orchestrating and answering questions from different microcosms, right? Of mm-hmm. bots. And so, you know, I think that's one instance. And then like the human and bot interchangeability of not having starting with a bot and going to a human and kind of the conversation just dies there, right? Like, okay, great. We escalated successfully and didn't contain that customer. But imagine an experience where you could start with a bot, pull in a human to the conversation assist and then the human leaves and the bot continues or vice versa you're talking to an expert and they pull in a digital assistant you know chatbot into the conversation and they're assisting you or you know thinking about the different participants in a conversation and it almost becomes like a group chat but they're all working together hand in hand i think that's where we're starting to go yeah i think that's ultimately what also builds that kind of trust like you said too right the 
you know, bringing in a human or an expert at a point where they can also have more context from the bot already of like, okay, I can help this person immediately because this is their need. And like, now that I can help them with that, you know, they can continue a conversation on where the bot might be able to offer more value and really continuing the conversation going in a way that's really just building on top of the immediate need of the customer. And then also, you know, again, like you said, predicting what they might need next, offering more assistance, like recommending other types of content that might add more value and ultimately might make them trust you more as a brand for providing that very seamless and like positive experience that seems so personal and so firmly centered around like what it is that they're looking for and not necessarily what you're trying to get out of the conversation with them, right? Exactly. And I I think too, then is really how do we persist conversations over time, right? So um, Mm -hmm. in the same way that we're texting back and forth with friends and family members, conversations happen over hours at a time. Like what if you didn't have to talk with a chatbot synchronously and you were getting support, but you needed to go into the product and answer some questions or find some information to answer the bot? Or maybe you have to go make a phone call to your spouse to get to get information and, and then you forget to answer the bot and you come back the next day. Like, how does that conversation persist over time so that it it can pick up where it left off? I think a lot of what we see in the industry today is like the context is not held past a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so a customer comes back in with the intention of finishing whatever they had initially started, but the digital assistant kind of resets and is like, hey. Great to see you, Ben. Here's some things <laughs> I can help you with today, right? And you're like, I yes, can I just scroll told you. <laughs> up and see. Exactly. Yeah, I can literally scroll up and see the last interaction I had with you. And it's clearly, you asked me a question and I'm trying to answer you, but now you have to restart the whole flow. And it's just because of the way, you know, chatbots are built today. They're built very linear. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, another thing that we're going to start seeing is these nonlinear paths of being able to map grammar to specific portions of dialogues, right? No longer mapping grammar at the top of an intent. So all this grammar hits this one intent and the customer has to go through it. Like being able to extract entities in more real time and be able to leverage those within your NLU to get into deeper parts of the dialogue for customers that are very, very specific, right? I think that's also a direction I see going behind the scenes within you know the natural language understanding side. Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like we could devote an entire podcast episode to just getting into the natural language understanding and kind of intent and entity side of things. I would love to do that maybe for another time. I think we're getting close to a full episode here. So I'd love to maybe just take a step back and ask you, you know, more tactically, like what are your top three pieces of advice for other organizations that are kind of just getting started in this space and conversational AI and design? I think, you know, don't be afraid to be bold and try new things. And if something doesn't work and you experiment, like learn why it didn't work and grow from there. I think it's big in this space. There's not one way to do it. I think the second piece is understanding what your conversation design process is. There's not one right or wrong way here either, right? Like uh, what works best for you and what people need to be pulled in at the right time as you're starting to build out these different use cases. And then the third piece, I think, is really starting to understand like what is NLU and how can that play into your experience, especially if you're just getting started, right? These are just small steps to take as you're learning, but understanding NLU, natural language understanding, and how that type of algorithm works and how you start to train your digital assistant to pick up on the patterns, right? In words or 
groups of words or numbers from a database, different things like that. And yeah, I think that, you know, there's a lot of really great training out there as well on several different sites. If you just, you know, type in conversation designer training or certification or different things like that, you'll find a bunch. And mm-hmm. and I think too, like understanding you user experience, like UX and UI principles also play in this space too. And so but the biggest thing is don't be afraid to fail. I will stand by that a hundred percent. If you if your MVP is so small that it's eighty percent of where you wanted to get to and, and it fails and it breaks and and it's not what you thought, like don't be afraid to put something out there in front of your customers just to get initial learnings. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I'll just repeat where you started. So be you know, be bold, experiment, test and learn. I think that's where when you're getting into a new space like this, that really is where you have to start. And I think that's, you know, that along with some of the other things you've mentioned are really, really great pieces of advice. Listen, Brian, I've really, really enjoyed having you on the podcast. There's I feel like there's so many different topics we could spend a lot of time talking about. I think before we wrap up, if people kind of want to follow your journey and learn more about what you're doing and, you know, get insights to your, you know, things that you've published, where should they go? Yeah. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can just search Brian Smith into it. There's a lot of Brian Smiths out there. So I suggest you put (laughs) into it in there. And I love connecting with others in the field and getting their perspective. I think as we start to share, you know, our perspective and thoughts, like it's only going to help people in this space grow and, and, you know, get, further ideas to kind of plus one and take it one step further. I'm also on Medium. It's at brian.com all spelled out. And then I also have a website where you can see my work and other things there. It's um, Brian Smith without any vowels, B-R-N-S-M-T-H.com. Yeah. So it's been really great. I've enjoyed this conversation, Ben. Yeah, it's been really, really great to have you here, Brian. So just as a quick reminder, go check out Brian Smith on LinkedIn on Medium or on his his own website without any vowels, which I have an affinity for because we are Spectrum without the U. <laughs> um, and you know, as a reminder, thanks again. I look forward to seeing more of your work in the space. I definitely want to keep in touch. As a reminder to our listeners out there, if you want more insights about conversational marketing, conversational AI, design, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're also looking for more strategic and tactical content on conversational marketing and all things conversational, also head over to our LinkedIn page and follow Spectrum. And you can also check out some of our reports at spectrum.io. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It's been a pleasure having you, Brian. Same here, Ben. Thanks so much. 